Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dear Black Folks Podcast, hosted by me, Errol Markham. Today, we're going to have uh, some grown folks talk. We're going to talk about the subject of sex, and I have with me a sex educator and sex coach that goes by the name of Dr. J. So please, everybody, welcome Dr. J. Thank you. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a hot one here in Texas, but that's why we move here, so. Yeah, that's good. How you guys uh, holding up with all this uh, coronavirus? You, you staying in the house? Oh, for certain. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't need anything out in the streets right now. <laughs> right. Just not even trying to get the Rona, bring right. it up in the house. I hear you. All right, well, let's get started. So you are a sex educator and uh, sex coach, correct? Sex, sex educator, sex counselor. Counsel, counselor, okay. So let's give yeah. me a little bit of brief history on your, your education background um, to make, get you okay. qualified. Um, so I have been working in public health since 1998. I have uh, a doctorate in community health, master's in public health, and a certificate um, from University of Michigan. Um, in sex education and sexual health counseling. Okay. So I've been talking about sex for a long time. <laughs> okay. So on the education side, you teach at a, at a college level, right? Right. So I teach at a university, um, but primarily I work with students who are doing their field experience. So I have students all over the world that are doing uh, work, whether it be coronavirus or HIV, AIDS, STIs, you name it, anything related to public health. And then in the fall, I'll be teaching human sexuality. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the counseling part of it. Um, and we'll start with the, uh, with the um, uh, teenage side. So you, mm -hmm. you do counseling with teenagers. Um, how do you do them at do schools have you come to speak to the kids or do parents call you? Like, how do you get in contact with them? Okay. So for adolescents, mostly I do sex education. That could encompass talking about um, unintended pregnancy, sexually transmitted infections, making health decisions about your body, uh, when the time is right, a little bit of abstinence. And then when it comes to working with parents and adolescents together, some parents are just not comfortable giving the sex talk. So parents will hire me to kind of facilitate that discussion and that conversation, whether it's to give them pointers and kind of talking points or to actually sit down with them and their young child, well, their adolescent, you know, typically middle school and high school age and have that conversation together, you know, covering everything from what sex is, what sex isn't, uh, what does it mean to be sexually active um, and just general information about our bodies because a lot of people are not comfortable saying our proper body parts. You know, we want to talk about our private areas and we don't want to say penis and vagina or vulva as if they're, you know, ugly terms, which just bring shame on a kid, even asking about, you know, I have something to talk to you about. Some parents just aren't comfortable with that. So that's where I come in. Okay. I heard you say a little bit of abstinence. Um, I know yes. you had told me that you really don't uh, preach that too much because pretty much it's unrealistic. I think, 
I think in 2020, it's unrealistic to only talk about abstinence. So what I like to do is comprehensive sex education. So we're going to talk about abstinence and we're going to talk about the benefits of waiting um, to have that first sexual encounter. Um, But we're also going to talk about the things that go along with being sexually active. Self-care before you decide to make that decision. Self-care after. Um, Making sure that you are stating what your boundaries are. Uh, talking about unintended pregnancy, talking about condoms and different contraceptives, you know, being on the pill, what does that mean? Um, as well as sexually transmitted infections and things that go along with that. So I approach it from a comprehensive perspective. I will never allow someone to hire me to only come in and to talk about abstinence because I just don't believe it's realistic. All right. All right. Now, do you want to say that? And I have two teenage daughters. So <laughs> well, I just don't think it's realistic. All right. Um, do you primarily work, especially when it comes to the the um, the teenagers? Do you primarily work in the black community, or are you kind of all over? Well, I will say this: um, my preference is all over because I think all kids have very um, similar issues. But typically, I work with minority youth, so whether that's African Americans or uh, Hispanic. I just, I'm more drawn to those communities. Um, and those are the communities that typically reach out to me more. Okay. Do you think that in those communities are less educated when it comes to sex than say the white community? Ooh, that's a tough question. I think honestly, a lot of it is geography. So when you talk about, um, Underserved communities, we typically see a lot of minorities in underserved communities, so they may not have the access. But just like they're poor black kids, they're poor white kids. So I look at not just um, the color of the face that I'm looking at, but I'm also looking at where that particular face comes from. So I've done a lot of work in kind of the southern sector. I'm in in, in Dallas, so in the southern sector of Dallas County, um, well, primarily we will see a lot of um, people of color. But you also see it in some of the other communities as well. It just really depends. I, I look more at geography. All right. Do you feel in your workings, um, you know, of course, media and society always try to make our community seem like, you know, our kids and our people are oversexed. And, and, um, and this kind of puts a negative um, cloud over our heads. Do you feel that 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 there's a difference in our communities and others as far as uh, sexual activity amongst teenagers? Well, I will say this. The rates of sexually transmitted infections and the rates of unintended pregnancy are higher in minority communities. Simple as that. Um, But I also believe that there are other issues surrounding that, just like we see with COVID-19. We're seeing, you know, oh, well, more black people are getting COVID and dying than our white counterparts. And that's because that there are systems in place that just don't always give us the same um, access and information that our white counterparts have. So I just think that um, when it comes to, are we more sexually active? Not necessarily. Um, But I think that we are definitely um, not as informed as we could be just as a community which is why I do what I do. 
And some of that, I feel like a lot of that too, when you said we have a higher pregnancy and sexually um, transmitted disease, right? A lot of that, it could also, it, I feel, is, is uh, the economics too, you know, the poor um, uh, access to health care and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. plays a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Def- definitely. Um, we do not have, we could talk just simple contraceptive. So we do not necessarily have access to go to a primary care physician in some of our communities um, and get on birth control or have access to um, condoms and prophylactics on a regular basis because we have other competing priorities and responsibilities. That's not saying that that's across the board for all black teenagers for uh, against our white counterparts, but it is uh, an impact on when we have other things that we need to spend our resources on and are those resources in our communities and how do we access them? Okay. Um, with today's technology, do you think that the kids today or teenagers today have a higher, you know, cause they're exposed to more with the internet and mm-hmm. their phones and everything. Do you think mm-hmm. they are one having sex at an earlier age and two, do you think they're into more stuff sexually than we were coming up? Because Are they the- bigger freaks than we were? <laughs> right. <laughs> <you're asking>? right. <laughs> okay, so technology definitely plays a role. Um, so I'll give you an example. A uh, 17, 18-year-old today um, can send a very erotic picture over their phone and they can receive a very erotic picture over their phone. Back in our day, uh, we were lucky if we could figure out how to make the the six or seven digits on a pager say something. Right. You know, we weren't getting dick pics slide, you know, slid into our email or across our phone. It just it just wasn't happening. Um, so the age of sexual debut is definitely um, lower now um, than it was, say, thirty. I'm just going to date myself 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> right. um, but I also think that when you look at technology, um, you know, there's a, our kids have access to a lot, which brings the onus back on to us to talk about using it responsibly. Right. Um, if we just give a kid a cell phone at the age of 10 or 12, at the age of 11 or 13, that child has seen porn if they hadn't seen it before then on their friend's technology. I mean, it just is what it is. It's out there. You can search for something on Google completely innocent and the most random um, inappropriate image for a child could pop up. And if you're very savvy on your technology, you can look for it and easily access it with no problem. Um, We didn't have those options to be able to do that. We were looking for girly magazines under our dad's bed. (laughs) And that was the extent of it. You know, we would go over our friends and um, just think of some of the scenes in the movie Friday, you know, sitting outside and watching our neighbor's mom bend over and water in the grass and seeing butt cheeks, as opposed to the butt cheeks are now right on our computer, right on our phone, right on our iPads, on our tablets. Um, So it's definitely everything has become more sexually explicit because sex sells. And while I don't have a problem with sex selling, I have a problem with us not informing our young people at an early and appropriate age to what they're actually seeing. All right. 
you know, how many parents out there do random phone checks with the intent of having a conversation about what they find as opposed to now I'm going to take your technology because you were looking at porn. Well, have a conversation, you know, don't just punish the child or penalize them for something that they are curious about as we all are. You may, um, we, you and I were talking um, the, uh, the other day when we were scheduling this, and um, you made uh, an interesting comment that I would like for you to elaborate a little bit on when you said sometimes the churches will call you and, or even the schools and say, hey, we have a pregnancy problem. And you was like, no, you mm-hmm. don't have a pregnancy problem. You have a sex education problem. Sexual. So can exactly. you talk about that a little bit? So early when I was doing outreach and education strictly on HIV and STDs, that was kind of my thing. Um, and I will never forget because I was pregnant at the time the, and my daughter's about to be 20. So years ago and a church in the Southern sector of Dallas reached out and said, Hey, you know, we want to meet, we want you to come and kind of talk to us about doing some pregnancy prevention and pregnancy education. No problem with that. Sure. So I went and I met with them and they said that at the time they had between like four and five girls, high school age pregnant and that they really wanted to have me come in and talk about why this was bad and telling the girls that they shouldn't be having sex and, you know, really want to focus on the fact that they had all of these girls who were pregnant. And my response to them was, A, what are you going to do for the boys? because they're not having sex by themselves to get pregnant, you know? Um, And I cannot in good faith come and talk about abstinence only. I will not come and preach to your girls in your church and tell them that they're going to hell and sex is bad and them being pregnant is a, you know, a result of bad choices. I'm not going to do that. So after a couple of different conversations, we decided that I would meet with the girls on a particular time and I would meet with the boys on a particular time and that they would have two separate programs. Um, But they couldn't, in their mind, they saw the end result, which was pregnancy. So we obviously have a problem with pregnancy. And my thought is if they're getting pregnant, they're probably also one or two of them have probably gotten an STD. You have a problem with them not being informed on sex and healthy decision-making. Pregnancy is just a side topic to that now we need to talk about okay are you having a healthy pregnancy do you have primary care and all that goes along with that are you ready to be a parent but the initial thought is let's get in here and talk to them about why they're having sex why they're having unprotected sex and everything else that's going on so it ended up being a really great experience especially early in in my career but it really kind of reinforced the fact that I just cannot speak abstinence only. I can do abstinence plus and abstinence plus is we're going to focus on abstinence and say, but if you decide to do it, you can get these things and you probably should use protection, but that's not the focus. Comprehensive sex ed is we're going to talk about all of it because it's all relevant. Okay. So what do you, in your um, talks with these young people, what do you think would be one or some of the biggest misconceptions or myths that, that these young kids believe. So you can't get first. You can't get pregnant the first time you have sex, which it's a lot of humans walking around right now whose parents thought that. Then that's just not even correct. Um, you can have a strong pullout game, and you don't have to worry about that. Uh, again, a ton of people walking around whose parents or whose father 
uh, thought his pullout <laughs> game was strong, and obviously it was not. Right. Um, that uh, if you have um, anal sex or oral sex, you can't get a sexually transmitted infection. Again, wrong. If you put your mouth on somebody's dick and they have herpes, you can get herpes. Right. So again, you know, we need to just, we need to talk about all of it. Um, and they, we also need to talk about resources that are available to adolescents that are adolescent focused and adolescent friendly. So I don't want to ever refer a parent to take their child to um, a physician or a clinic who is going to just, you know, kind of shame them and make them feel bad. Well, you only got an STD because you were out in the streets. No, 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 no. They got an STD because the person they had an STD with hadn't been tested. Uh, they probably didn't use protection. I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into that. Um, and I think one of the biggest myths is that there's no one to talk to. I have to, I can only talk to my friends that there are no adults out there that really care. And we collectively have to do a better job of creating spaces for young people to feel comfortable to have these conversations. So give you another example. When my daughter was in eighth grade, um, we had lunch probably once a month for three or four months in a row. And by the end of the school year, her friends were joining us. And the way school lunch is set up is if you're having lunch with your parent, um, you cannot eat with the rest of the group in the lunchroom. There's a separate section for you to eat. So her, her friends were getting closer and closer and closer, migrating closer to our set aside table. Last month of school, I said, okay, everybody, we're just going to eat together and I'll just bring lunch. And we sat there and we had really good, meaningful conversation about everything from same-sex relationships to uh, making the choice of, well, I wanted to kiss him or not, or I want to kiss her or not, or I heard that these people did that. Um, and when it was all said and done, they were like, you know, I wish my mom would talk to me about stuff like that. We just need to, we need to be more comfortable talking about it as adults. So we can be more comfortable talking about it with our young people. All right. So as we, I want to close out the the kid part and go into the adult. But, but why? Yeah. There's so much fun. Huh? <laughs> what, There's is so there, much fun, though. Are there some other points you want to uh, address before um, we do that? The other thing before we do that is addressing um, what realistically young people feel is sex. Mm-hmm. So watching porn for instance and thinking that that's what sex is and how sex goes um is another myth and a misconception that we need to have more education on so um you don't just walk in and instantly the guy is hard and the girl is aroused and wet and sex happens um and when it doesn't happen that way then what's wrong with me what's wrong with her what's wrong with him we need to have conversations about the realism of pornography um, and use it for what it's, de- it's designed to be, which is entertainment and not education. All right. Well, since you brought that up, do you think that that porn is, uh, you know, especially with them having such easy access to it, do you think that it has given them a like kind of turned them turn their views away from meaningful and loving relationships and more into just the joy and funs of sex and and not really focus on relationships I anymore. Think- I think to a certain extent it has, I think it is completely separated 
that sex is this act, this thing that we do, and it's just that. And there's nothing necessarily that goes along with it that we have to be concerned with. So like when I first started talking, I talked about self-care before as well as self-care after um, a sexual encounter. So you may go, a young person may go into it thinking, oh, we're just doing it. But there's a lot more that goes into that. And I think because they see it portrayed that way a lot, that there's nothing to counterbalance that. So there's no conversations that are going on about what the it is and how they got to the point of doing it. Um, so I, I definitely think that the the access to pornography and erotic material is uh, needs to be counterbalanced with comprehensive sex ed. And not even every state requires medically accurate sex education. Not every state even requires a school to offer sex education as a part of their health classes. And not every state even requires a health class. So there's a lot to be done um, when it comes to dealing with our young people in sex education. Do you think that they have... um like expect you know still on the subject of them having access to the stuff on the internet um particularly porn do you think that with so much of porn being a lot of um like women having sex with women do you think that that has made some of the young girls think that it's okay to be with other women do you think that that has made them feel like that's more of a normalcy well, I'm going to say this, and this is probably going to be for some, especially in our community, it's going to be an unpopular opinion. Um, a, it is normal for women to be together, just like it's normal for men to be together. Um, and along with that, it, it just <laughs> is. Um, we can argue Adam and Eve and Adam and Steve and all that another time, but it, it just is. A loving relationship is a loving relationship, um, just like a bad one is a bad one. But to really remember that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, being gay did not start. There have been gays forever. You know, there have been gay women and gay men. And the only thing now is that because of social media and because of, of access, we see it more. It's not hidden, but it's always been there. So I don't understand why we're making such a big deal about it. But that is just my opinion. So when you said normal, you mean, you don't normal. mean normal for everybody. You no, mean, I mean, okay. it's normal in I know society. Damn right ain't normal it's for me. not. <laughs> no, well, I'm just saying it's, it's normal in the sense of it didn't just happen 10 okay. years ago. Somebody woke up you. and said, I think today is going to be the day that I go out and I'm going to. No, it doesn't. No. Right, right. No. Okay, I got you. Okay. There, there, there are gay people throughout history. All right. So, um. Moving to, before we close out that segment, uh, I want you to kind of give a message to the parents of the importance. Call me. (laughs) Call me. No. So message to parents is create an open, safe space for your young people to talk to you about anything, whether it's sex, whether it's depression, sadness, suicide, anything. You are the expert in that household. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it, call me, call someone like me, talk to a primary care provider, get a referral. Um, Don't ignore it. Same thing with drugs and alcohol. Just 
create an open space. My girls say my space is too open because I will ask them all the questions. Um, but create an open, safe space for them to at least approach the subject and say, hey, I have questions about, I've been thinking about, can you explain to me? Do you know someone that could talk to me about? I mean, I have a very good friend here who's a police officer and um, we use this analogy. He is um, like a third degree black belt. Um, He's weapons trained in uh, martial arts. And he's just, when it comes to that, if I have questions about the sidearm, the firearm that I carry, or the shotgun that I need to have out here, um, he is the person I'm going to ask because he is the expert. In turn, when his 12-year-old daughter asked him when does sex end and what is a hymen, he called me because he knows that I'm the expert. So I think we need to use the resources in our community, in our networking, in our circle to create safe, open spaces for our young people to ask those questions so they get accurate information and they're not walking around thinking, well, if I douche with uh, root beer, I can't get pregnant after sex. Right. So yeah, create those spaces and, and use your resources. Okay. Now moving on to the adults. To the adults. <laughs> to the adults. So what, um, who and why will, do adults um, hire you? Why would an adult hire me when it comes to talk to me about sex? So um, one thing I want to say, I don't do a lot of couples work because I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to um, diagnose you with anything. I'm not going to prescribe you a medication. I am a doctor of knowledge, not of medicine. So I want to make that clear. Um, But if you want to talk to someone about incorporating toys in the bedroom and you're uncomfortable with that, and you don't know how your partner is going to receive that, then come talk to me. Um, if you have role play fantasies or desires that you've not explored um, and you are not partnered, come talk to me about it. Um, if you want to have um, experiences that are new to your repertoire into new to your bedroom and you don't really know where to begin looking like a lot of people are interested in pink and fetish and bdsm talk to me um so i also have and that's for men and women um recently i had a person ask me about um doing a toy review and i kind of chuckled and i was just like well i really hadn't thought about it but i mean, if you i guess if you send it i'll look at it and so i looked at it, they sent it, I did a review, and then someone else said, well, I kind of had a question about this toy over here. So it's really, um, we have more questions than I think sometimes we're comfortable asking, and we don't want to, A, go out and waste money and looking at stuff, or we want to know the right questions to ask. Um, I work with um, two other colleagues. One is a licensed clinical social worker, um, and then I do have an OBGYN who's also um a sex educator in my group. So a woman reached out and said, you know, I really have questions about when your body changes and everything after menopause. That is definitely something I would refer to my colleague, um, Dr. Clay. So we just really need, again, we need to use our resources. Um, Men reach out as well, have questions about, again, incorporating toys, um, desire. I want it, she doesn't. 
Um, she does, she wants it. I don't as much, um, those type of things. So, um, it's really sometimes just being a sounding board on how to have a more intimate conversation with their partner, um, as well as all of the, the fun stuff, you know, getting together, um, in small groups to talk about just desire in general, um, talk about intimacy and pleasure challenges in general when it's a small group. So you said, um, like, one of the things they talk to you about is one partner wanting it and the other one don't. Difference in desire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know some of that could also play a part in just they maybe not being in, you know, somebody may have fell out of love or they're not into that person anymore. But besides that, what what are some of the or one of the main issues that you find that that that's caused from, like, when somebody's just not into it? Their desire. So the the desire, because I'm tired. Like you don't realize when you're at work, I have all this to do and the kids. And then you come home and you're like, hey, let's get it on. I've been working just like you have. So being able to create, again, create comfortable, safe spaces to have those conversations. So I want it. I'm just too tired to give it to you right now. So we need to figure out something else. We need to carve out time for us to be able to be intimate with each other. And knowing that, um, being intimate does not always have to equate to bang, 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 screw my, you know, head off my shoulder, sex with 15 orgasms. It doesn't have to always be that way. So having, um, just physically being tired, um, not feeling well and not really knowing why, again, you know, may need to be referred to a medical provider. Um, it's boring. Let's just be real. We do the same thing over and over, and I'm just not into that. I want to do something different. Um, so a variety of reasons. So with that being said, I think, and, you know, I, you know, of course, from talking, you know, men talk to each other sometimes, women talk to each other sometimes. Do they really? <laughs> yeah. What y'all saying? <laughs> uh, but... Um, you're going to make me lose my chain of thought. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, I mean, I think the main thing and what happens when the relationships start going bad because of sex and stuff like that is just not them not communicating. Um, Mm -hmm. I would would agree to that with that to a certain extent. I mean, there's the financial stressors that that person could be, you know, going through and thinking about at the time. Um, We just need to really think about being there for that person to figure out what's going on. Versus assuming the worst, right. which a lot of times is what we do. Right, and that's what I mean yeah. by communicating. Because I think what what happens is um, they don't they won't talk to each other, so resentment starts to build and anger starts to build. And the longer you let them and we build, make up stories in our head. Yeah, well, she ain't getting it from me. She's so going somewhere else, right? Opposed to just sitting or, and or asking. guys, you know, like well, she ain't giving it to me like she used to. Right. So what's wrong? What's going on down there? Right. Same thing. Well, and that's why I said. It may be it's uncomfortable or whatever, but I think a lot of that can be fixed if people would can, can would just sit down and talk to each other and ask those questions. Like, hey, you know, I've noticed what's going on. Yeah, what's going on? And it, but we have it. to create a space to be able to do that. If every time I want to talk to you about something, either you don't have time, or you chop my head off, or you tell me I'm crazy, or some other, you know, kind of just blowing me off, you're training me to not talk to you about right. serious subjects and serious topics. Right. 
So um, with let's let's go with the men first. What um, what are some of the biggest issues? I'm not tough to tell my secrets, so they stop calling. What are some of the biggest issues you've seen um, that that men come to you for, um, and and some of the biggest complaints they have about their mate? I would say that um, desire is a big thing on both sides, men and women. Um, as well as downright boredom, wanting the wanting to be able to try new things and their partner not wanting to do it, um, being able to, and honestly, to be vulnerable and to be open and exposed with what your desires really are with your partner. Um, you, you would think that that would be easy of a conversation to have because you want to feel good. You want your partner to feel good. Um, but those are some of the more challenging conversations to have to just be able to be vulnerable and be exposed and not really feel that that's going to be used against you. Mm-hmm. Like a man is always supposed to perform. So I know I haven't given it to you in a while, but I want it right now. So let's get to going and you're supposed to get in there and get and put in work and knock my back out. Well, sometimes I don't, you know, the man doesn't feel that connection either. So being able to perform like they did when they were 21 or 30 even, um, those are things that we need to take into consideration when we're having those conversations. Okay. The women, what are, what are some of the women, um, women's issues with their partners? Um, being comfortable with body changes. Um, again, being able to be open about what they want and what they're feeling, um, as well as embracing the changes that our bodies go through. So if I'm with a partner and we've been together for 10 years and I've never heard, we've never used lube and all of a sudden I'm saying we need to use lube, then he's looking at me like, well, why? Well, because, you know, I'm drier than I used to be and it's not as comfortable as it used to be. So let's do this so we can both enjoy it as opposed to, well, no, I ain't doing that. Then again, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. Um, And then just having the honest conversation about um, making sure that I'm getting what I need, just like you're getting what you need. Okay. So, you know, you hear people talk, people that's into church and when and they talk about uh, being equally yoked when it comes to their belief in God and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How does that, what about being this, being uh, equally, I guess, I don't know if we want to say equally yoked when it comes to sex as a couple. Being compatible. Right, yeah, sexually compatible. Okay. That's a better word. Being sexually church compatible. Church folks going to be on me. Um, I mean, how big and how important is that to a relationship? And um, could it, you know, be detrimental? Well, I, I think it's definitely important. I mean, if I like to have a variety of sexual experiences and my partner does not, at some point I am going to become frustrated. I may become frustrated and seek that elsewhere, or I may be frustrated to the point that I take it out on you. Um but either way, you're not getting what you need and I'm not getting what I need. So why not just sit down and have a conversation? And for some, it's easier said than done. Um, some people are open to that and they're very comfortable talking about SEX. 
some people are not, you know, a woman is supposed to make herself available to the man, you know, she's not supposed to desire it. It's not supposed to be for her pleasure and for her to feel good, which is a bunch of crap. Both partners should feel good. They shouldn't feel shameful for wanting sex for them wanting sex to feel good on either partner. So um, I definitely think that those are conversations that we need to have premarital counseling type things as well as throughout the relationship. And I know a lot of people don't go through and sit and have those conversations because it's assumed, well, when we were dating, you know, the sex was bomb. When we were dating, you know, we said we we're going to wait for marriage and then we got to marriage and we just, you know, laying there missionary and it's once a month. Uh-huh. So we need to talk about what those expectations are. Um, and the dialogue needs to continue. It's not just a one and done. Do you, do you feel that, that, um, that a lot of times in, in the marriages that, maybe somebody's sexual desire has changed over the Oh, for certain. For certain. I mean, you can say when you were 20-something, you had no cares in the world. All you had to do was go to work and figure out who you're going to be with that night, and it was on and popping. Versus now you're 40, 50 years old, you have pets, you have kids, you have financial responsibilities, you got to go check on your parents and all this and again you mentally may think oh, I just don't have the energy I mean it would be nice but we don't have to we don't have to schedule that so that all those life factors happen as well as I don't feel as sexual as I used to because I gained 20 pounds so what we're going to do about that I love you regardless but if you don't feel sexual inside you know you need to kind of work on that as well so how, definitely changes. How important do you think when it comes to sex? Because um, is the is intimacy in, intimacy? Um, cause, cause, intimacy cause, is more important than the actual act. Because you can that you can have that without actually having sex. Exactly, and we need to define what sex for some is because if there are physical limitations that were not there when you all got together. Um, and certain things can't be done. Like, I can't put my leg behind my neck like I used to. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got limitations now. My bones creak. So you want to talk about that. But being intimate and not having the focal point just be, you know, let me get in there and do whatever. And we just need to connect. Which sometimes I think we misstep and we overlook the intimacy part to go straight to the sex part when you, the intimacy can make the sex so much better. Do you think that that men have uh, less re- respect? You throwing out stereotypes? No, I'm asking you. Is that what I'm we're asking, doing? I mean, do, do, do you find that because that, 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 you hear, I mean, you hear women talk about it more. But do you feel that that men really just well, lack me, it, or do you think they just this. don't talk about it as much? Uh, you're a man. How does think before I answer? Think about how that question resonates with you, versus intimacy versus the just the act of sex. I think we evolved. I think um, at an early age, it may just be how many notches I can get on my belt, and I think that soon. 
we both men and women evolve and realize that it's much more than that. Um, but as a man, I think you could probably answer that question better than I can. Well, I mean, I can answer for myself. I, I mean, I think it's. Oh, you just told me, you know how men talk, you know, y'all sitting around at the barbershop and everything. Yeah, you know, well, because well, we, and, and just everybody has different opinions of it. I, I, I personally feel like it just it, it makes it a thousand times better, you know, to have exactly. the it's like having, you know, you can have a one night stand and you can be with somebody that really has invested time into knowing what you like, how you like to be touched, where you like to be touched and everything that goes along with that beyond just let me just get in real quick and get 10 pumps and I'm done. Right. So intimacy can can make the sex so much more better. Right. What do you what do you feel about the, I mean, this has been a a, a a debate forever. Um, the difference in, in opinions as far as far as how men are looked at versus how women are looked at that that have a lot of sex partners or have had a lot of sexual partners. Mm-hmm. Like the men kind of get mean? the pats on the back. The, the women looked at as sluts or whatever. Like how do, how do you feel? About right. That? You know, I think that the music of today is a testament to what that is all about. So. We can, and I've seen so many posts on social media about women walking around with their titties hanging out and the ass showing and all this, but y'all are liking it, but y'all, I don't want to marry it, but y'all are feeding into it on social media. And so women are in turn like wanting that validation. But I think that it's the societal construct that if you seek pleasure, it's bad. If you seek pleasure in a responsible manner, male or female, more power to you. If you are having responsible sex with as many partners as you want, whether it's one or ten, and it's consensual, more power to you regardless if you're a woman or a man. Society does not say that. Society says, uh, that one over there, I wouldn't. She got her body count too high. What about your body count? It's just, it's not fair at all. And it's exactly what you said. Men get a pass because of the stereotypical macho pump your chest out, I'm supposed to, this is what I'm supposed to do versus a woman who is not supposed to even have a sex drive until you get with her. And then when a man gets with her, well, she better have one because now you want her to. Okay. So, um, I guess in, in closing, um, what are some of the things that you would like, you know, some some advice you can give to, you know, men, women, or couples um, that can enhance their sex life, or um, if they're having problems with their partners, you know, what they can do to kind of fix it. Besides calling the pro, you. <laughs> well, exactly. Besides calling, me. the first thing I would say is really have open conversation, and to do that, you have to create a safe space. Um, it's not attacking, it's not accusing, it's not blaming, it's really sitting down and just, you both want the same thing. You both want to be pleasured. However, you define that personally or the, uh, or your partner defines that personally. So, um, create a safe space to have those conversations, um, uninterrupted. Don't just, okay, we're going to talk about that later and later never comes, or we're going to talk about it, but you're trying to talk about it while I'm making dinner, you feeding the baby and everything else in life is going on. So have those conversations one-on-one. Um, second thing is be honest with yourself. 
because we do a really good job of listening to what society says and tell ourselves what we should want. And it's 180 degrees from what we actually want. So if you really don't want to be married and you really don't want to have kids, be honest with yourself. If you are comfortable being single or partnered but not living with that person, be honest with yourself so you can be honest with that person. Um, Don't just buy into what you think everyone else wants and set yourself up to be sad, miserable, and fail with the relationship. Um, the third thing is sex is supposed to be fun. Like, don't put so much stress on it. The more you stress about it, the less fun it's going to be. Um, be spontaneous. Um, not saying be in a grocery store stripping spontaneous, right. <laughs> but be spontaneous for with uh, how you and your partner have defined your relationship, you know? So go smack your partner on the butt or whatever or something like that. Just be spontaneous within the confines of your relationship. And then the last thing I would say, especially for my um, married couples or unpartnered couples, focus on knowing what you like and what turns you on so you can communicate that to your partner. The worst thing that I tell women, especially, that you can do is fake an orgasm. All you have done is train that person to never please you. Be honest with yourself. Know what your body likes. If you don't like for your nipples to be pinched, Tell your partner you don't like that. Don't just say, oh, yeah, it's okay. No, if you don't like it, you know, be honest with yourself so you can be honest with your partner. But, you know, explore your body. Know what you like. It's yours. You with it all the time. All right. All right. So give people your um, your uh, contact information, social media, email, or whatever you, whatever uh, form you would like for them to contact you on. So they can contact me on either Instagram or on my website, uh, drjsperkins.com. And my Instagram is drjsperkins. So send me a message, fill out um, the connect card on my website, um, explore the website. I put a newsletter out every month. It has like the sex position of the month. I try to come up with some crazy ones. Like I think we talked about butterfly and the scissors and all that. So check out the website. DrJSPerkins.com or hit me up on IG, DrJSPerkins.com. All right. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm going to um, talk to you some more because I think uh, I would like to have you periodically on the show and we can, you I would know, love that. And we can do more, um, maybe pick a topic and just focus on that one topic um, sometimes, yeah. on, um, maybe, you know, once a month or whatever. Um, I think it'd be, it'd be interesting um, and fun. <laughs> I think it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. I'll make sure that we attack all those stereotypes that you really want to throw out there. I know you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could get more in depth in, in, in certain <laughs> certain subjects uh, and, and have, you know, again, maybe a different one each month or something. Yeah. And I look well, forward for to some of the things. Yeah, I look forward to some of the things. Folks, I'm loving it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I look forward to some of the things that I know you're working on and we can talk about that in the future shows too. And um Again, yeah. good luck and everything. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It was fun. No I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. I did. All right. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Dear Black Folks podcast. Leave a review. Leave a message. And look forward to you tuning in on the next edition of Dear Black Folks podcast.